Francisco 49 is deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, stiff form going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB, greatest owner of all time. Gruden, Walgren, Bill Belichick were all students of Bill Walsh. Don't ever forget. I'm Lee Gowland. I'm Brian Davis. And this is the 49er Faithful UK Show. Right, welcome back guys. Week 5 is in the books. Uh, horrible loss to the Arizona Cardinals. I don't think anybody was actually happy last night sat watching the game, uh, myself included. I basically ended at 1 o'clock this morning with a face like a slap backside. Pretty much like everybody else. And at the time, I had the same views as everybody else. Um, pretty much a lot of the views in the group page were negative in the game day thread and a lot of the same recurring negative aspects of our game came out again last night. Luckily enough, to do the podcast, I always rewatched the game, and I focused on the negatives, especially the things that I brought up within the group, and I pay particular attention to those. So once I've actually watched the game again, in a non-emotional environment, knowing that we've lost the game, and just to concentrate on certain units and aspects of the game, I do actually have a different opinion. I think it's, I've got the same opinion of why we lost the game, but I definitely have a different opinion of some of the areas that people were saying we were no good at. And I'm not sure if you're the same, Brian. Uh, yeah, well, I watched it back this afternoon. Um, I think it's been a long time since I've been quite so disheartened and felt such dismay. Uh, quote unquote performance as I was on yesterday Sunday um, I thought at, at times we were dreadful with, the, with the, some of the mistakes that we made and uh, I still feel at this moment in time that it's kind of derailed our season somewhat and yeah we've got injuries we've lost our quarterback running back we've had wide receivers with knocks we've had a linebacker who's been suspended but some of what happened yesterday I still find was quite unacceptable at times, unfortunately. And even watching it back, some of the mistakes we made were were poor. It was really, really poor and some poor coaching as well. I felt like it was almost a throwback to the Jim Tom Sula or Mike Singletary days with some of the stuff that was going on. And you know, like when you get a bad feeling about something happens in a game and you're probably similar with, with the football, you know, because we both support poor soccer teams, so we're, yeah. we're both in the same boat with the teams that we support over it. You know, sometimes when summer happens and you think this, and it's early in the game, you think it's not our day. And it was a bit like that when we missed that extra point. I just kind of had a feeling, and I was just thought, you should remember the Super Bowl when the Broncos played Seattle and the Broncos sent a snap the ball over Peyton Manning's head, and it was a safety in the first play of the yeah. first play of the game, yeah. wasn't it? And we could have all just turned our tellers off then and gone to bed and saved ourselves the the late night and the. And the, and the holiday because you knew what was going to happen after that and I felt a little bit the same last night watching that once the extra point went wrong I had a bit of a gut feeling and sometimes when I well not sometimes probably more often than not when I get one of those gut feelings about something and being a, a Reading fan and yourself probably being a Sunderland fan yeah. it's very easy to become sceptical about everything and anything you see both on and off the pitch in, in the way that things have gone for our soccer teams recently so I was quite negative from the off yesterday and I just had a, like I say, I just had a bad feeling and it, it kind of went that way. So, yeah, to be honest, I had exactly the same feeling when it, when it started to go wrong after that first drive. The first drive was, was a great drive. After that, 
Yeah, I, I got the feeling this is just not going to be our night. If, mm. if things continue like this, uh, and they did rapidly continue like that, I had the same feeling that that's it. Whatever we do tonight, whatever good things we do tonight, is going to be overshadowed because we're going to continually bring up bad players or mm. make mistakes. So what, what I would like to do, uh, I haven't got that many game notes because I focused on what the negative aspects were in the group because, like I said, the game day thread is all about finding out what the vast majority of the fans were thinking, um, which areas to concentrate on. So the two I'm going to start off with is coverage and tackling. Now, the the two comments made were were absolutely terrible in coverage. We've blown coverages left, right and centre, and that didn't happen. We only had no. two blown coverages the whole game. The first one, everybody knows about. It went for a touchdown. Yes. The second one didn't even end in a reception. And had it ended in a reception, the receiver might have made another five yards after that because the safety was coming around anyway. It was just the cornerback that had blown his coverage then. Yeah. Actually, it wasn't the cornerback. The person that was covering the wide receiver was actually Fred Warner, yeah. and he was about six yards away from him. So that was only two blown coverages. So when I looked at the secondary, I thought, you know what? They didn't play as bad as what I thought they played last night while I actually watched it. Because, as I mentioned at the start, I was of the same opinion as everybody else. I thought we were dreadful in the secondary. But then I've rewatched it and thought, no, I'm wrong. It, it wasn't as bad as what it looked like. I think it was everything else that happened negatively. And believe it or not, that was on the offensive side of the ball. Kind of trickle over into the defensive. So you, you're watching the defense player. And I think you pick up all the negatives from the previous games uh, and you imagine that that's what's happening. Yeah. But it wasn't as bad as that. The second point was the tackling. People said, we missed a load of tackles. There was two players in the whole of the game where we had missed tackles. One of them, there was multiple missed tackles. I think there was five missed tackles on that player. It, it should have been stopped for a loss and the guy ended up getting about um, eight yards and I think we had four or five people miss the tackle before we eventually stopped them yeah. the other one was a single missed tackle and again I think they got a first down because of it they got 12 yards other than that tackling was absolutely excellent it, it, well, it was spot on straight at the, the, the point of attack we stopped the person so I, I was struggling with those two but again when I watched it last night I was of the same opinion as everybody else. Our tackling was garbage and our coverage was garbage. Well, I haven't actually got secondary or missed tackling in my negatives this week. <laughs> right. So, so, so that's yeah, good. I'm kind of on the same wavelength there. Yeah, you can people go, oh, the secondary was poor. Maybe Exum and Reed should have started like we sort of spoke about before. But Colbert completely blew it on that first play of the game and the, and the Cardinals touchdown. He's essentially bit on Larry Fitzgerald's route who was already in double coverage when you watch it back yeah and he's been made to look extremely stupid and witherspoon wasn't exactly he was witherspoon was more concentrated on trying to punch the ball out to force a turnover than actually trying to bring the guy down and i, th I think that's something that we need to look at in terms of what we're doing in the secondary with tackling and trying to disrupt the ball i know that that's kind of what seattle have been very good at in recent times and we're now essentially running the, the same defense as what has been yeah. run up in seattle but I'd much rather probably try and see him make a tackle and see if we can force him down to the three, you know, force him to kick a field goal for three rather than it looked a bit like he was tickling him and just try, <laughs> not really doing 
you know anything to try other than to really try and stop him so that was a bit disappointing for me on on that whole play and that was just one play and then there was a couple of others where you can say well the coverage wasn't particularly great in that but when you look at the the, the offense that the cardinals had they had absolutely nothing we, we we lost to a team who only got 220 yards and 10 first downs yeah we got 447 yards 33 first downs 33 and we lost by two scores. Arizona's um, longest drive was five plays for 39 yards. Yeah, and, and we had the ball for thir- sorry for 40 minutes. 40 minutes, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, you, it's you unbelievable. You can't lose games like that. So the reason why we lost the, the game um, on Sunday or last night wasn't, you know, the defense played their part, but the the main reason why we lost the game was on the offense. If, you know, I know we're probably going to jump about from bits and bobs here, but... yeah. I had the defense down as in my positive section. Yeah, because uh, I thought at times agree. they were okay. The D line seemed to create problems. They didn't create much pressure. There were some pressures. They only had one sack again, but the run defense was phenomenal. I thought they were absolutely brilliant as a unit, as in in, in terms of stopping the run and in even in in the the pass coverage, they were they were very very good. When you look at the the, the statistics of the game, they did enough to disrupt Rosen. But they just didn't quite do enough to stop him, you know, on a couple of the key plays, and and that was the difference. Yeah, agreed, agreed completely. I, th- I thought the defense, apart from the pass rush, which again was completely non-existent, I, I thought the defense played really well. Yeah, and I know it's hard to say that when we've been beaten, but I think they did. And what I've got down is what cost us the game is turnovers. Turnovers yes, cost yeah. us the game, and that's got Five nothing. To to, yeah, it's got nothing to do with the defense. And when you look at those turnovers, because a lot of people straight away jumped on CJ's back, saying it was terrible quarterback play. The second interception was CJ's fault, without a shadow of a doubt. That was a really poor throw. The mm-hmm. first interception, the receiver should have had that in his hands. Yeah, that's a drop. Exactly. So, so that's done on CJ. The fumble in the fourth quarter, there was absolutely no pass protection there. The defender came through untouched and got at him straight away. And it wasn't as though he'd actually held onto the ball for very long, not compared to what we'd seen Jimmy do earlier on in the season where he would hold the ball five, six, seven seconds. This literally came through in three, four seconds, and the defender was there because he was completely unblocked. So while CJ didn't have his best game, he wasn't terrible yesterday by any shadow of a doubt. He he, he wasn't terrible. But second interception, poor throw. That, That pretty much killed us off at the end of the game. And I think it was more, he, he was trying too hard. Trying too hard because the turnovers early on in the game had put us in the position where we had to come back, we had to fight, we had to take risks, we had to throw the ball a lot more and abandon the running game. And I think that was that was one of the causes of, of that. Yeah, we, we let a team who've got little business winning many, if at all, any games this season off the hook. With that amount of time of possession, um, and, and with the turnovers we, you know, or they forced on us, and it's just unacceptable and it's unsustainable. And that ratio very, very rarely wins you games. It's you know that's highly unusual for a team to turn the ball over five, six times and win a game. You'd have to look sort of uh, deep in the history of the of the team to try and find the amount of times that that's actually happened because I can't think that there'd be many. And you, you can't continue to have drives of 15, 16, 20-odd 
plays and come away with zero points. It's you can't you can't keep doing that. And I think you can pretty much sum up the whole podcast by a stat that I read last night, and that's that the 49ers are the first team in NFL history to pick up 30 first downs or over 30 first downs, hold their opponent to 10 or fewer first downs, and lose by double digits. Yeah, I read that as well. That's the first time that's ever happened. That's how bad the offense were last night. And yeah, I think Arizona didn't win that game. We lost the game. We did, without a shadow of a doubt, because Arizona were poor. The, Arizona were awful. Arizona was exactly how I would imagine that Arizona was going to be. Mm. It's just that we were worse than what I was thinking we were going to be. Yeah. So and we've now got the worst turnover margin in the league. Yeah. We've got a league low three on uh, defense, and that's because we've got no pass rush. And that's something that we need to work on, definitely. So, drops definitely hurt us. And two of note, one should have went for a touchdown, and that was Cole Wick. He dropped it in the end zone, and that was straight on the numbers. He he should have caught that. Well, Um, even the foghorn had gone off, hadn't it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, that that, that was poor. And then, even though Kittle had a fantastic game, he should have had that two-point conversion. That was straight in his hands as well. That was a perfect throw by CJ. Kittle should have had that, and we should have had the two points there. So those were the two drops of note. Now, again, and I've been on his back for weeks now, Garçon was targeted 12 times and only came away, away with five catches. Yep. So one of the things I did concentrate on is how many he dropped, how many were catchable. And there was only two drops out of the seven that he didn't catch. The other five was where CJ has thrown the ball away because there's been pressure, and it just so happens to have gone in Garson's direction, so he's he's classified as being targeted for that ball. Yeah, I think I th- I counted three. I think they were two very early on. I think although one, was, I think one was probably more on CJ because it was behind Garson. But I still you would expect someone of Garson's quality, or you know how he's been in in his career to have come up with that. And then obviously there was the big one that was uh, deep in the third quarter. But yeah. That was just before Kittle had his 45-yarder, I think it was. So, yeah, I, I had him down for three, but I think so one I, was probably about 50-50 on both CJ and Garcon. I may have accidentally credited Bourne with the drop because I've got him down for two drops. He, he definitely had one. The other one, I was sure it was Bourne, but the picture you had, you couldn't actually see the numbers on the jersey. So yeah. I wasn't quite sure who it was that dropped it, and I thought it looked as though it was Garcon. So it could have been... Garcon yeah, dropped it. Bourne had a drop just before we missed the field goal. Yeah. Actually, why are we talking about field goals? So that missed extra point uh, at the start, I've had to watch that time and time again to try and figure out what went wrong. And I finally saw what it was. Pinion still had his hand in front of the ball when Gould was about to kick it, which yeah, he is why he pulled back. Yeah. So it just wasn't quick enough. So it wasn't a case of that getting through too quick or that was a, it was a muffed hold as far as getting the ball upright. He just didn't move his hand away, and yeah. that's what caused it. Yeah, and after praising the special teams and the kicking unit last week, they completely <laughs> completely yeah. let us down this week, didn't they? They did. <laughs> you know, even Trent Taylor got really, really lucky, didn't he, with that field? And what was he doing touching that punt? That you know. So I've actually got that down as a positive, <sighs> okay. uh, and the reason I've got it down as a positive. So yeah, it shouldn't it shouldn't have happened. But he realised it did clip his finger a little bit and he had the presence of mind just to stay there, act cool until the ball had settled and then drop yeah. on it. Yeah. And I thought that showed quite a good uh, 
quite a good reading of the game. Because he did, knew it, if they picked the one ball, of those defenders to have heard that tap on his hand, and you know, it's it's a different game again, isn't it? You're quite right. I think we were lucky that they didn't. They didn't mm. hear a tap or see a tap. But he knew. He knew, and that's why he stayed cool. And he got the ball. He made sure the ball was secured. Because if they'd seen the replay, I'm convinced they'd have thrown the flag and they'd have won that challenge if yeah. they would get it. So he did well to save that. But he shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. No. So another thing that people had a right go at yesterday in the group was pass protection. And again, I did agree with them last night. I was going to think that's really poor. There's far too much pressure coming through. I rewatched it and it wasn't as bad as I originally thought. Yes, it was poor at times, but it wasn't terrible. And there's quite a few times in pass protection, CJ had more than enough time in the pocket to actually throw the ball. Yep. I think what made it look worse was he's not stepping up in the pocket like that's he should right, yeah. do. Yep. He's taken far too long. And in fact, at times, he's making the O-line look bad because rather than step up in the pocket where he's protected, he comes out round the side at the back. Mm -hmm. And once you do that, you're letting the defender come through because the defender's always going to beat the O-line over that because you're then going away from the O-line. And I think he needs to learn to step up a lot sooner and have confidence in the O-line to protect him in there. Yeah, he's got to have the presence of mind to to make those sort of two steps forward. If you're coming back on a sort of seven-step drop and then the pocket's collapsing in around you, you can't just stay seven steps deep and expect for those guys to completely block, you know, the pass rushers that are coming at them. You've got to have that presence of mind to step forward into the pocket, continue going through your progressions while you're in there, and then find your receiver or throw the ball away or take off because you can't keep doing, you're exactly right, you can't keep doing what he's doing and just stand in there and stand in there and then... Like you say, two, three seconds later, the left tackle and the right tackle have essentially done their job for as long as you can ask them to do it. And then these guys uh, are coming in on the inside of them or they're getting around the outside of them or the, the pocket's collapsing and then there's other guys coming through and and, and making plays on him. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's poor. It's uh, And I think he looked um, much more like a, a backup quarterback than someone who potentially could become on or come on to become a starter in the, in the NFL in, in this game. But I did actually have the O-line down as a positive. I thought overall as a whole, I thought they played decent at times. The run game was very good. Um, other than maybe the fumble and some of the obvious play calling situations, uh, Joe Staley didn't have his uh, greatest game, obviously two penalties uh, and he was at fault for one of the sacks. But yeah, pass protection held up well at times. Um, and in the run game, again, they blew up some massive holes. So I would say inconsistent, but for me, a positive. Because if you look at some of the holes they made, and, and particularly the hole on uh, Breeders' touchdown, um, I know it was a pitch from CJ, but it was an incredible play, an incredible hole that he, he got in, th in through to, to for the touchdown. Yeah. And I think that's something that we can try and cling hold, cling hold of. Um, and as frustrating as it was, the second penalty on Staley kind of made me chuckle because of just purely because of his reaction to it. Yeah, I think he yeah. reacted exactly how we reacted, just by literally it was like the face palm shaking thing, his head. <laughs> yeah, he was shaking his head, thinking, yeah. "What on earth have I just done that yeah, for? What have I done?" You know. And I thought um, the outside, you know, the outside of the um, 
O-line on the, out, the outside zone blocking. That was working well. Yeah. The right-hand side is solid. Person and McGlinchey, they look, they're looking really good. Um, lots of screen passes, lots of downfield blocking. They were, you know, Kittle, Juice, all that guy, those guys racking up the yards after carry. Well, yeah, Steely. Steely in the, was it the first quarter when he ended up downfield blocking yeah, on the run play? five yards downfield, yeah. making blocks. Um, they played to look after CJ as best they could, um, especially with the runs to the right and the screens. Um, but yeah, ultimately when CJ pushed the ball downfield to the likes of Garcon, unfortunately they let him down. That was so, so yeah, I think the O-line play for me was a positive, but it was, if... If CJ had had a slightly better game, I think we could have won that. We could have won the game, but it was uh, it was very disappointing. Uh, still, was it you know still the Monday evening after? It's uh, yeah, still very disappointing. So uh, another positive I picked up, and you look at it and think, well, is it really positive? Because the outcome wasn't the outcome that we needed. But the positive that I picked up was that we threw for a lot more yards against a good pass defence than mm. anybody else has thrown this season. And we did throw the ball well. We, we racked up the yards, but it was the turnovers and our performance in the red zone that, that cost us. Yeah, 19 receptions by wide receivers. Um, it shows that he's willing to move the, round, move the ball around. It shows that he's got trust in all of his receivers. In some of those plays... Um, you know, that we just spoke about with the O-line. He had time to go through his progressions and find an open receiver when he's afforded the time to do so. So, yeah, it was... There were some pleasing aspects of the game on offence. Um, but just... We've, we, we've got to be better. We, we can't be losing these games. It's... Oh. Yeah, it's frustrating. It's so frustrating, you know. We're still struggling on short yardage situations, and you know that's highlighted on the play that when we actually scored the touchdown on fourth and one, it's Morris up the middle, and percentage-wise, it's probably the right call. But it's so frustrating to see us failing in those situations. You know, Morris ran for zero or negative yardage on six separate plays, and most of those plays at any point. If we were sat together watching the game, you go, oh, this is going to be Alf Morris at the middle. And it happens. And it's that is really frustrating. And I think we did suffer in the past game as well with obviously Goodwin being out because we had no one to stretch the field. So there was no real dynamic pass game. And a, and a lot of that, the passes that CJ did make were of the screen variety, were you know, very, very short, yeah, the short amount short. of time in the air and, yeah. and not forcing the, forcing the ball downfield. So... You know, fair play for to Carl for scheming up a lot of those plays, but unfortunately, it still wasn't good enough because we couldn't convert a lot of those long drives into points. And you know, you can't hold on to the ball for forty minutes and lose a game. No. It just can't keep happening. Do you think the outcome of the game would have been different if we had not lost Breda at the end of the first quarter? Yeah, definitely. It would have definitely yeah. had a bigger impact on the game because you'd, you'd have you'd have had a bit more of a dynamic run game. You wouldn't have been forcing things with Mostert, and then he wasn't particularly great when he came in. He had a fumble. No, he wasn't. You know, you, you can't have guys like that coming in and fumbling on on his first play. You know, it just doesn't strike me as being a particularly good or a clever player at this moment in time. I'm willing to give him time, but once McKinnon and Breeder and Juice are back, I can't see them having a position for him on the team if, if he's uh, 
if he's going to come in and, and let the team down like that. Yeah, I mean, the, you can see he's probably going to get a place on special teams, but special teams alone is maybe he's not going to keep him on if if he can't be relied on to be that third or fourth string running back that we mm. that we need in times like this where our, our both our starter and our backup are both out. You mentioned the player calling early on. What I did notice that there was two identical players or two sets of identical players. Um, so four players in total where two of them were identical players. One of them was for the original two-point conversion. We'd already tried that player to Garcon earlier on in the game. And yeah. Chandler Jones got to it both times. He read yeah. it perfectly both times, knew exactly what was coming, and did exactly the same pat-down of the ball both times. Yeah. Yeah, it's and predictable. It is. You're right. That, that's what it is. It's predictable. And again... I'm thinking, is that because we, we've lost the likes of McKinnon before the season started? We've lost Pereira. Kyle has mentioned that his offence was set up for a, a pass-catching running back. So the Pereira loss was a bigger loss than actually losing Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah, and Morris did okay. And, you know, obviously Juice was just his brilliant self as normal. But... Yeah, he's that. That wasn't the main reason for going out and getting McKinnon, wasn't it? It was that dynamic running back who's going to probably similar to the Roger Craig days. Yeah, he come in, he probably rack up 70, 80 catches out the backfield, and yeah, he's he's your kind of you. You almost base your offense around both him and Jimmy, and then everything else comes with it after that. And yeah, he's got Breeder, who's probably not in the in the same bracket as of running back, but so far this season, he's proved that as a young, undrafted free agent, he can absolutely be counted on and right now he, he's, he is our number one option and he's probably our, he is our best running back but Morris did well at times yesterday but he's still he's just still lacking he's not that got that sort of a voom as he's no he's, he hasn't you know he's, he's getting on in years he's he's a big lad he's just he showed some good burst at times yesterday but He's there's just something about him. I just think think it's a little bit too obvious what we're doing when he's in the uh, when he's in the game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think it's it's fortunate that Britta's turned around and said it, it's just a high angle spray, and he expects to be fit next week. Um, which which did make us wonder when he did come out and say this right after the game. Well, if it's just a high angle spray and you expect to be fit next week, could you not soldier on June this week's game? Yeah, take some painkillers, get a shot in it, and get back out there. Yeah. So that that was a little disappointing to hear that, but obviously, I, we we don't know what he's feeling like. I mean, as far as he's concerned, it could have felt like a broken leg until yeah. after the game where it settled down. One more thing I want to mention. So I can't remember who it was, but somebody mentioned the value of Sherman. Why are we paying him all this money? Because he was absolutely garbage. Sherman was absolutely perfect on every single down. His coverage was fantastic. Sorry, there was one down where he wasn't, and the receiver got the ball, and straight away I thought, Jesus Christ, Sherman's completely missed that. But then the offense was called for pass interference, and it was yep. on Sherman, and that showed yeah. why he wasn't with the receiver. Other than that, he was absolutely perfect, and that's why we pay the money. People turn around and say, and I think it's the same people who are saying, we need a shutdown corner. He played perfect. We have yeah, one. We've got, we've got one. Yeah, it was the same. It's, it's been the same for a lot of a lot of cornerbacks around the league. So 
a lot of the reason they don't put up stats is because no one's going to throw to them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Deion Sanders was the same. You know, these cornerbacks are they're there for a reason because they do shut down some of the best receivers in the league. Sherman, I know he's had a game injured, but we can probably count on one hand the amount of times he's been thrown at in this this season in four games. Yeah, it's, I've got no qualms with Richard Sherman whatsoever. Absolutely none. If people are moaning about him, then they they need to uh, go and have a look and watch some uh, NFL films from the. Uh, well, they don't, they don't even have to go back too far, do they? To go and look at footage of uh, you know, then go back and look at Sherman in Seattle. Oh, Darrell Revis, Dion Sanders. Yeah, there's plenty of them out there. Go and watch the go and watch the video. Go yeah. watch the tape. Rewatch last night's game and just concentrate on Sherman. Game, yeah. yeah, that's all you need to do. So I've got one more positive, but I almost feel as though it's a tongue-in-cheek positive, but it's oh. not meant that way. And that is, we finished the game with all of our offensive linemen fit and healthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I did honestly think that's a positive the way all the other games have gone. So yeah. I, was, I was quite happy with that. Obviously, I think we only lost Breda to injury last night. I can't think of anybody else who went out and didn't come back in again. Obviously, yeah. you do see people uh, pick up some knocks. So Garcon, I think Garcon missed a couple of players because he went out, but then he came back in again. So we only really had the one injury, and that one's turned out to be not as bad as what we originally thought, which is a relief considering how important Breda has been over the last yeah. few weeks. Although, would you risk him in Green Bay? I know this will probably come up later in the week now, but... At this moment in time, on the Monday, should we be risking him in that so, Green Bay game? Can he be the difference between us potentially competing and getting something, or will his absence just well, we're probably going to lose anyway, so why risk him? So before last night's set of games, <laughs> I would say, yeah, let's let's rest them, uh, and then the Lions go and pick off Green Bay. <laughs> the Lions are just, I don't know what to make of this. Yeah, what, what's happening there? <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, and it continues. I mean, each week we've had some really strange results. The Carolina Panthers, New York Giants game. Yeah. Where, where did the Giants come from to put up that sort of display? Yeah, that comeback and then 63-yard field goal to win it. Unbelievable. Yeah. And then the Ravens, who started getting themselves in order and looking good, going loose to the Browns. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this is the type of point I was trying to get across when, again, I'm really bad with names. Uh, it might have been Gareth Ellis had said... Um, I'm looking for some some bit of positivity. And somebody said completely the opposite of what he was asking for. And somebody said, we'll not win another game all season. And I was like, well, any given Sunday. Any given yeah. Sunday. The Cardinals turned up and they were garbage. They should not have beaten us. But it's any given Sunday. Mm. So we can, we can walk into Lambeau next week. And there's no reason why we can't win that game. The odds are stacked against us. Don't get us wrong. I mean, I'm, I'm not expecting going and having a win. I'm expecting us getting beat. But it's any given Sunday. We could turn up. I'm saying any given Sunday. We play next Monday night. Any given Monday. <laughs> we can turn up. We, we can have a game. And we can put points on the board. So let's have that faith. Obviously, be realistic. Don't expect us to go out and beat teams like Green Bay. No. When I look at the rest of the schedule... I can see maybe three, a maximum of four games that we might win now. Uh, and that's how far I've come from the start of the season when I did predict an 11-5 and five season. I'm now looking at maybe 
the Cardinals, we, we can turn the Cardinals over. We should have won last night. We can go down to Phoenix and, and turn them over if we cut out the mistakes. So that's one game we can win. We've got the Raiders. The Raiders are terrible at the moment. That's another game we can potentially win. The Giants, before last night, I would say the Giants are a winnable game. I still think that because they have to come out of Levi's. It's not New York, so that's a winnable game. So that takes us to four wins for the season. Outside of that, I've got to say the Seahawks at Levi's, I think, is a potentially winnable game. I think we'll get beat up in Seattle, but I think potentially there's another win. So there's mm. five wins. Anything else, I think all the other teams, I think, will get beat. Even the Broncos, who aren't playing particularly well, I think they'll get the beating of us. Yeah, I'm not buying into the optimism just yet. I'm still Debbie Downer on a Monday. But I was going to say, <laughs> I, I wouldn't have exactly said it was optimism because I've gone from 11 and, what was it, 11 and 5 down to five wins for the whole season. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I was looking through the schedule earlier and I thought, Arizona in Arizona is going to be harder than it should have been and was last night. Yeah. Um, Oakland, who knows? The Giants, they seem to be starting to turn the corner maybe on their season. Seattle, Seattle went toe-to-toe with LA for a long time last night. I haven't seen any of the highlight checks. I was watching our game, but yeah. they seem to be matching them blow for blow, toe for toe at times last night. So Yeah, well, that was in that's Seattle. Going to be, yeah, that's going to be tough. Um, I think they look at the way we played last night and they'll more than fancy their chances in both games against us. So at the minute, my optimism of getting a 500 record and 8-8 eight and eight is probably dropping to about two or three wins maximum at the minute. Um, again, it, it, a lot of it comes down to getting the basics right. It was We had a lot of penalties last night. It was on key plays. You know, it was a false start on Staley on first and two near the goal line. Then you get a false start on Tomlinson and the play after is an interception. If he doesn't false start, maybe he doesn't, you know, Caesar doesn't throw the pick. Yeah. Richie James gets his first NFL reception, gets a first down and there's a flag on Morris for illegal contact. And then we fumble three plays later. Morris runs for 17 yards, which is a long way for Morris. And then that gets pulled back because there's a flag on Bolden. And then on third and 10, Williams jumps into Rosen trying to block a pass, which there's no way he's gone to attack the quarterback or to try and sack the quarterback or to do anything yeah, other it was than mid-air. the ball. He was mid-air. He had nowhere to go. There was nowhere pulling out of it because he's committed to jumping to bat the pass away. And he gets flagged for that. That's I'm, you know, I'm not blaming it him. That's just the BS rule from the NFL that are put in place where this rule about touching the quarterback needs to be changed because that is not a, a flaggable penalty for me. And then, you know, there's another one, third and six neutral zone infraction on Marsh. And all right, we stopped the third and one. But you're, you're making a hard situation much easier for, for the other t- opposition. And it just comes back to the same things, doesn't it? It's it's the penalties, it's the drops, it's it's the turnovers. and <sighs> Yeah, very frustrating. It, it, you know... I'm, not saying anyone needs to be sacked or anything, but there needs to be some kind of internal assessments going on as to what's going on with the coaching staff, what's going on on a practice field. Because I still believe in all of this, you know, this is a young coaching staff, it's a young team, but there needs to be questions asked. And it, I know it sounds like we might be repeating ourselves, but we've got to yeah. get the basics right before we start, you know, start looking at, if, we, if we've got grandeur visions of, 
winning Super Bowls and going into the playoffs, we can't continue making all of these mistakes that we're making now under this, you know, under this young team and under these young coaches. And so, it was probably the worst performance under Kyle's command, I think, so far. Yeah, completely agree. Offensively, uh, anyway. And while we're talking about staff, I've got a few... Um, I, I did a little bit digging, and this is going to actually answer a question that uh, you posed on Friday. And it's about it. quality control. So okay. we do actually have two people on quality control, one right. on offence, one on defence. So on offence, uh, we've got Taylor Embry, who's in his second year with the 49ers, and he's the offensive quality control. And on defence, we've got Bobby, Bobby Slowick, and again, he's in his second year. So they both start at the same time as Kyle. Mm-hmm. What I did notice as well was we also have a pass rush specialist, Chris Kiffin, who's <laughs> is, in is he, his first sick? year. <laughs> <laughs> no, so he's in his first year, and according to the website, uh, and this is the 49ers website, we have seen an improvement. I am yet to see that. See that. Mm. In fact, everything suggests we aren't as good as what we were last year, which is uh-huh. worrying, seeing as all we've brought in a pass rush specialist. Mm. That's not Kim Jong-un writing the uh, propaganda on the 49ers website, is it? <laughs> I've no idea who wrote it. <laughs> But to be honest, when you go through the staff profiles and, and you read what they've done in the two, three years that they've been here, it's all very positive. But you look at the thing and, well, I don't I don't really agree with that. Mm. There's, some of thing, there's some of it that's just completely wrong. Um, I, for the love of us, I can't remember the example that I saw and I thought, well, hang on here. That's got oh, offensive line. So John Benton is our offensive line coach. He's in his second year. And the right it was, since John's arrived last year, we've increased our our yardage, our passing yardage, and we've actually had our best passing yardage in the last 17 years. That's got nothing at all to do with John Benton in the offensive line. Mm. That was Jimmy G over the last five games airing the ball out. Yeah. That's what did that. So yeah. the, the pinning that stack, uh, that stack, that stat on the offensive line coach, and it's nothing to do with him. So you have to take it with a pinch of salt, to be honest. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, I've got a couple more stats. Yeah. Um, courtesy of Eric Branch, one of my favourite beat writers. The most plays in franchise history took place against Arizona, 92. The most first downs in 20 years. We scored 18 points. 10 um, third down conversions which is only the fifth time we've done that since 2002. And obviously the 40 minutes, that's only the fifth time that we've done that in this century and lost. Sorry, yes, when you've the ball for 40 minutes, that's the fifth time this century. Yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> I know we've thrown a lot of stats out there in, in the summary and stuff. And, like any game, stats count for nothing when you're on the wrong end of the final result. And as you sort of go back to the football or soccer analysis, how many times do you see a team lose a game, but the commentators or the analysts might say, oh, they've had 75 possession, 75% yeah. possession, they had 20 shots on goal, they've hit the post three times, they've had two goals disallowed, but they've lost 1-0, and the other team had one shot on target. Yeah, well, when you read our stats, stats last night, we dominated. Yeah, we dominated, but those stats mean absolutely nothing 
when you lose the game. Yeah, and definitely. yeah, there are there are some stats there that you can latch onto as positive. So, and we've kind of tried to do that on some of it. But as a whole, that was a crushing, crushing defeat. It really was. It was crushing. It was, it was pitiful at times offensively. Um, yeah, completely. And I know agree. that we've not ended on a positive there on on that summary, but it's it's hard to try and find you know something that we can you know really grasp going into Green Bay because it's going to be so so tough. Yeah, yeah, it certainly is. Any others? Uh, we were ten of seventeen on third down. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that was a good. What, what's that? Fifty-seven percent. Yeah. So. Yeah, something like that. that. That was good. No, more than that, isn't it? Yeah, it will be. Yeah. yeah some, right. So, <laughs> if we finish with positive and negatives, we'll do some tips. Uh, but I think we'll stick with one each. Um, so my tip for this episode is going to be the bridge-to-bridge beer cruise with the Red and White Fleet. That is well worth doing. Um, if you get there early enough and do the Twilight cruise, you get to cruise underneath the Golden Gate Bridge as the sun's setting, and it's a fantastic sight. And you go around the back of Alcatraz as well, underneath the Bay Bridge, and then back up to Fisherman's Wharf. So I'll thoroughly recommend the Bridge to Bridge Bay Cruise with the Red and White Fleet. That sounds good. I, mine's, well, I've got quite a few, but I'll go with quite a niche one. Um, I absolutely love watching things like NYPD Blue and Blue Bloods and Chicago Fire, all those kind of programs. So I've always kind of thought, if I ever go to America, I'm going to pop into a fire station and see if they've got any T-shirts and caps for sale. So if you do want a really cool San Francisco Fire Department T-shirt or like a baseball cap or something like that, I actually just called into one of the firehouses in San Francisco and just introduced myself as, you know, the dumb Englishman abroad. Hey, you know, got any T-shirts for sale and stuff? And the, one of these real nice firefighters said, come with me, took me into this locker room and opened this locker and I could have had probably the best part of 10 T-shirts, <laughs> 10, 12 hats, um, scarves, flags, everything. Oh, they had all sorts. You know, you, you think of all the yeah. time you can get in a 49er store, you can get it in a, in a firehouse. Um, the one I went to was on Sansom Street by the Transamerica building. And yeah, the guys in there, like I say, were really welcoming. They'll sit down and have a chat with you. They'll have pictures with you. You can get on the engines and do all that cool stuff if you're really into it. But I, I enjoy watching those TV programs. So I kind of thought, well, I'm going to go and get myself a you know, fire department T-shirt. And I think a lot of the money that um, you know goes on the T-shirts and stuff, that pretty much just goes into their kitty for buying all of their uh, stuff in the firehouse, I guess. You know, the food and drink and beers and what have you. And uh, I think some of it also goes to charity as well if you get into the right station. So, yeah, that's just something that I've always wanted to do and I did that the last time we were there, which was uh, really good. That has definitely gone down on my to-do list. <laughs> that, that sounds excellent. And, yeah, I, I would love something like that, uh, a San Francisco Fire Department baseball cap or T-shirt. Yeah, I'd do never even given that a second thought to do that. Yeah, they do quite a bit of stuff where they sort of do takes on like the San Francisco Giants logos or the 49ers logos and stuff. I, it's um, I, I don't believe they have the um, authority from the NFL or the MLB or anything yeah. like that to produce them, but it's uh, I'm sure that the uh, they don't mind, they don't bat an eyelid because of the profession that they're in. So uh, 
but yes yeah, they do some really cool stuff in those uh if you go into the right station and i think i was lucky that i went into a good one and uh, yeah they had loads of stuff in there for sale fantastic so yeah that's definitely me heading down to there next time i go across next year hopefully and some more positives it's hockey season the baseball playoffs <laughs> and the nba season's almost <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah, we must be yeah, positive. Positives. <laughs> right, well, thank you for listening again, guys. Um, I'm, I'm sure you'll imagine that it wasn't a particularly, it wasn't a podcast we were really looking forward to doing <laughs> after last night because I think both me and Brian felt exactly the same way as everybody else last night. Mm. Uh, but in hindsight, because of the fact that we do the podcast, we do rewatch the game. And we can pull out the positives. I know there's a lot of people not interested in doing that. Um, that's fine. That's that's their opinion. That's for them to do. But yeah, we, we like to pick out the positives. And, and that way you can actually see that there's progress being made. And they're all correctable mistakes that we're making. If we'd have recorded last night or this morning, you'd have had to have invested in a bleep machine. Definitely. And it would have been a very, very depressing podcast. It would have been, yeah. And that doesn't bode well for a couple of weeks' time when I'm off work and we play the Rams. <laughs> no, because that's, that's looking as though well, it's going to be an absolute massacre at the moment. Yeah, so we might have to, uh, we might have to uh, miss the morning recording that day and, uh, and maybe watch it back and then think about it again, because I think that works well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> right. Thanks a lot, guys. Um, really enjoy doing this for you, and the feedback that we're getting is excellent. If there's any anything you want, questions, please post some questions in the group page, and we'll try, even if it's not about the actual team, if you want questions about tips, restaurants, or anything like that. Obviously, we give no tips, but if you have a particular question you want to ask about visiting San Francisco, ask it in the group. We'll make it part of the podcast. And as you'll have seen this week, I've started to develop the podcast website itself. It now has a new page with tips on. And every time we give a tip, we will then add that tip onto the website. So you can go on the website and it's all listed there, all the previous tips from the previous podcasts. So if you want one place to actually go and copy it and put it into a Word document so you can take it with you, you've got it all there. So yeah, please ask us questions and we'll try and answer them the best we can. Right, thanks a lot, guys. Cheers, thank you very much. We love the San Francisco 49ers deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, stiff form going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB, greatest owner of all time. Gruden, Walgren, Bill Belichick, we're all students of Bill Walsh. Don't ever forget.